0: This week, I guess it's not a Gremlins ripoff if Wikipedia says it's not. It's Critters on That Podcast Stays Up All Night.
1: Come on.
2: Welcome to that podcast stays up all night where we have an endless hunger for B-films and also human flesh. I am Josh and my fellow gourmands are Aura and Cody. Say hi boys. Hi boys.
0: <laughs> I imagine the flesh tastes better with barbecue sauce and just like a little bit of searing.
3: So question, if, if I took two of the little critters needle things and put them in the ends of a corn on the cob do you think that that numbing agent would still be effective on me
2: you can tell that cody is used to saying hi to boys by the way that he said it
3: (laughs) i know what'll well i know what'll bring him in
2: (laughs) hi boys get in the van we brought an extra boy for this show
0: we're not there yet cody let him read the script
2: That podcast stays up all night. This is the elite collection of space badasses charged with hunting down and uh, watching all the films of the 80s, 90s hosted movie program, USA Up All Night. But these are no ordinary films. These are the raunchiest comedies, TV movieist thrillers, and tidiest horror films known to man. But sometimes the regular team isn't quite enough. Sometimes you have to bring in a ringer. A ringer.
0: That's great. Hey, uh, today uh, we have with us uh, a, a gentleman that I've met, uh, well, I met at a comic convention and uh, we've hung out at several other comic conventions since. We have Greg Smith with us, a uh, writer on at least Junior Braves of the Apocalypse, but some other stuff, which I'm sure he'll tell you about. Say hello, Greg.
4: Hello, Greg.
0: <laughs> what else have you been involved with, my friend?
5: uh most recently, I've uh, been involved in the, the space saga of uh, Starlight Comic. Uh, we did a Kickstarter uh, not too long ago, uh, right as the amazing epidemic or pandemic that we're we're all living through in twenty twenty uh, happened, and uh, it is it is very much very very in line with what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, spacey goodness. You also do a pod, right?
5: I do, yeah. Uh, I do a I do a horror a horror podcast, Nurse from the Crypt, with uh, my friend Saul and David, and uh, also do a, another one with the the co writer of of uh, of Starlight uh, Narrative Gunslingers, where we talk about uh, basically stories and other things with other creators.
0: Uh plug away! Where can they find those?
5: You can find them at the Spoilerverse. It is a podcast network, and uh, they are. Uh, they're uploaded um, I, right now, not as frequently as we're just in the m- uh, middle of transitioning everything over to that, to that network. So, But <laughs> spoilerverse.com is where you can find it
2: when it's we, there. We certainly don't know anything about missing, uh, missing out shows or, or failing. Uh, <laughs> <time>. <laughs>
5: show. Yeah, right. You would, it's one of those things where you would think that in this time where all you, you have amazing amounts of time to do all these creative endeavors you would be able to do these things and sometimes you just want to sit down and read a book, play a video game, <laughs>
4: make- <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, we, we were yeah. gonna launch an entirely new podcast over this <laughs> quarantine. If yeah. Remember the Crow podcast.
0: That's right. The crow the crow cast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Hadn't happened. laughs>
5: yeah. All about the crow? Or all yeah. about just crows in general? <laughs> now, COVID's be, of all sort
2: be a fun April Fool's episode but no about the, the crow comics and films and stuff like that
5: oh I'm out I just want to hear all about just
0: crows <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, you just see, pros, no they, they are
0: birds that are black
2: yes. no ravens no magpies <laughs> it's a corvid <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man uh, so real quickly uh, do you have a do you have a past with USAF all night Mr. Greg?
4: Uh,
5: a little bit. Uh, it was definitely something that my father and I uh, would, uh, he, he was a, a swing shift uh, dude. So uh, getting some quality dad time, watching movies and stuff like that always meant staying up a little bit later than I normally would get to on any other night. So Saturday nights and uh, Fridays and Saturdays would definitely uh, be be a night where I would get to watch something and this show being on a weekend was definitely something that I would look forward to to be able to like catch uh, a fun movie that maybe mom might not approve of but dad was always <laughs> down <around> to watch <laughs> you know so yeah I watched a lot of this stuff
0: <laughs> so did you did you uh what was there a genre like was there a genre one that you were more or less attracted to because uh I used to like the drama ones like you could tell almost immediately from the theme music I'd be like, nope, don't want to, you know, like, don't want to watch this one. And I'd shut those off, like, right away.
5: You know, I don't, I, I think it was, like, sometimes, sometimes it was a matter of, like, yeah, there was some that you definitely, like, okay, the horror and the action ones, you, you knew you are in for something, something good in that sense. If it was going to be, like, more of a drama, drama-y movie. I knew I was going to get a really good cooking experience because my dad loved to cook. So usually when one of those was on, we would like have it on in the background while cooking something amazing. Like all of a sudden <laughs> it was like, oh, hey, we're gonna roll out some pizza dough. We're gonna make some pizzas. All right, cool, we're gonna do that. Oh, wait, you wanna bake a pie? Okay, cool, I feel like baking a pie in the middle of the night. Why not? nice.
0: So,
5: so I mean, that
2: can be Like a- Shannon Tweed or Sylvia Cristal, you get hungry? Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, uh- <laughs>
0: So the reason uh, Greg comes to you guys today is because he coincidentally posted about critters the week before we were going to do critters for the show. So um, I I was like, there's no way that we can't not like ask him. So so that's mm-hmm. how that's how this uh, this this uh, um, uh, collaboration came to be. So
2: Ooh. welcome aboard, Greg. Uh, good to have you. Well,
5: Thanks for thanks for inviting me. It was one of those things. Yeah, yeah I going through my my video collection, and there's there's one of my favorite movies, uh, and you know, have to post about it, and then all of a sudden, Or is like, hey, was like,
4: yes, let's do this.
3: It's a free pass to to nerd out for an hour about something that you like, which is always good.
4: <laughs> yes, yes. It's harder
3: yes. when the movies are bad and you don't like them. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, you can find something, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> Caveman was rough. <laughs> we got to stretch sometimes. Yeah. Go <laughs> Terry, <a> high.
4: <laughs> yeah. Oof,
3: yeah. Ah. Go, go listen to our highlights.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. Yeah, as I said, this week we're doing uh, Critters, which is uh, the first in the Critters franchise. So uh, let's start us off with Aura. Uh, if you can give us the elevator pitch.
0: So let me let me throw this to you guys. What if Furby's had teeth? Also wanted to kill Elliot's mom from ET. Well, you'd get this movie, a horror sci-fi comedy from 1986 that Wikipedia insists is not a rip-off of Gremlins.
2: Seriously, the Wikipedia like emphasizes that to a serious degree.
0: As does IMDb. So um, I, I'm, I'm under the impression that whoever was the production people were just like, we need to edit this, and we need to make sure to.
2: <laughs> I think they had a bit of a complex about it.
4: Yeah,
2: <laughs> All right. It's, it's kind of it's fair enough because the critters' production history uh, began with a screenplay about monsters attacking a small Kansas town, written by Dominic Muir in 1982. Uh, three years later, Dominic met Stephen Herrick. Well, they both worked on editing the Mystery Science Theater 3000, Tim Cattrall, Ray Don Chong, James Earl Jones vehicle, City Limits. Yeah. You guys remember that one. It's a post-apocalypse mm-hmm. film that's really fucking great. Uh, with, a, with an end theme that is mostly consistent of uh, like a beat while somebody makes vomit sounds. <laughs> uh, Muir pitched Herrick the script, and the two found financing through show productions. Uh, either they were well-connected or they hired a good casting director. Because they were able to assemble a pretty solid team of performers for this film, uh, anchored by D. Wallace Stone, also sometimes credited as D. Wallace, uh, a native Kansan best known for her role as the mother from E.T., uh, but also a genre hand with significant roles in The Hills Have Eyes and Cujo. Uh, okay,
0: let me stop for a second then, because Kansas <laughs> is so wrong in this movie. <laughs> is
4: it? Is it that far?
2: I don't know if the people who made it know anything about Kansas. Fair enough.
0: We'll ask our resident Kansan Cody when we get to the review section here what he thinks of (laughs) Kansas' representation.
2: Dee Wallace is a KU graduate. I don't even know if you you knew that. She's from Kansas City, Kansas. Oh, wow. I didn't see Paul
3: Rudd or Rob Riggle in this movie at all, so it can't be a Kansas movie.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Dee Wallace Stone really gets to stretch herself by playing a mom which is usually what she plays in horror films. Uh, She's very good at it. Um, Also featured our perennial character actor, M. Emmett Walsh, who's been in fucking everything. Uh, Series regular and Corman alum, Don Keith Opper as Charlie, uh, who'd also been in City Limits. Uh, And a very young Billy Zane as random makeout guy. Uh, The Critters effects were designed in part by the Chiodo brothers uh, who were still two years away from making their own killer clowns from outer space. Oof. Uh, Critters is definitely a movie that I first encountered through the USA up all night program. Uh, where I first encountered a lot of horror franchises, but I definitely also remember seeing the poster at video stores. with It's very distinctive painted artwork of the critter. Uh, they were pretty eye catching and effective. I thought, uh, how did we all encounter this film specifically first and uh, what expectations did people for whom this might be a first viewing come into it with?
0: So I, uh, I, I remember seeing that poster 1 million times as well. I feel like I, although I suppose to be fair to to us here, um, you and I probably uh, were at the same video stores and the same video, you know, uh, video, video rental places. So, um, it's not entirely impossible that, like, that's not a that's not a con- uncommon <laughs> sort of thing. Um.
3: I saw the Critters four posters like everywhere as a young child. I definitely remember that of like the little the moon or the asteroid or whatever it is, and then the three that are positioned on top of it. Like, I way before I was aware of the franchise, I can distinctly remember seeing that poster like everywhere.
5: I remember uh, seeing this movie, like the poster, the box art and, and whatnot at video stores. But it was one of those things that like, I think my dad was like, okay, we got to bring this home and check it out. And uh, it was it was definitely one that when I was, I want to say I was probably like uh, about 11 when it came out. And it definitely, it definitely hit that uh, um, that, that switch in my brain that was like, I really enjoy this but i'm also really disturbed by it and i don't know why <laughs> and uh and it was one of those things that, like it, it drew me into like a creative frenzy because it was the first thing that i was like i have to i have to create more of it because i really like it so i i created my own fan fiction i didn't know what fan fiction was at the time but i, I wrote a whole entire screenplay for for a whole entire like sequel that um i think is totally better than the second
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: That's not know person.
2: Someone one has Eddie decent. <laughs> pretty good. I Maybe mean, better than the third one, but uh, I haven't uh, seen
0: the later ones, but I have seen the later Silent Night, Deadly Nights. I can't imagine that your movie would be worse than the later Critters. Mine has a musical scene.
3: Oh my God, I'm in. So you know, I mean, it's right there. I mean, it's me. <laughs> Well, even in, sorry to say the, the forbidden G word, but even in the Gremlins movie, there's a fun scene where they're all like drunk in the bar singing songs. I was kind of sad there wasn't more of that in this movie. Yeah. That's like exactly what you want to see is you want to see him like a small thing the size of a Tribble, like bite a man-sized chunk out of a person. And you also want to see him like burp and say the F word. I'm
0: if I had watched this on up all night and I don't think I did but if I had watched this on up all night I'm not sure I would have stuck with it. <laughs> I would have like gotten like 20 minutes in and been like why are they still talking?
2: <laughs> well, we'll that as we do the, uh, What's that Josh? We'll get to that as we get into the, the synopsis and reviews.
4: Yeah. So.
2: <laughs> I can see why you people would think that. I do Greg, I'm curious were you raised around Kansas area? Like
4: was
2: part of your your apparently being into it enough to do fan fiction for it. Was that uh
4: Oddly, early? okay, so
5: funny, 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 funny thing. I was born in Wichita. Uh, I did not spend much time
0: after that, though. Um, my dad was in the military. You did the so smart thing so, uh, and got out of Wichita. Got out,
5: GTFO. Uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, we moved moved uh, around uh, back east and then uh, back up to the Northwest. So um, at the time when I, when I saw, saw this... Um, I was, I was, I really have no functional memory of Kansas except for when I went back later in my, in my older years, um, traveling around. But um, yeah, no, like at that time, no,
4: I had no, had no
5: understanding of it. Although um, everything that I've understood from my parents told me there was some definite, uh, I'll say, uh, contradictions in this film as to what they, what they explained that Kansas looked like. (laughs) (laughs) so that being said
2: no
4: <laughs> long answer
5: for <laughs> <Third> a question
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe more the creature design I, I, I gotta say right from the from the artwork and stuff too that it, it it highlights very much without getting too much into reviews how much the film i think a lot of the film's charm is on its creature designs and it's a it's clearly a well-designed film in terms of how they put it together like the budget wasn't huge but they they put together some really cool looking puppets for those for the critters
4: oh yeah yeah
5: for sure I, I as a as a weird thing like i i actually i traded a tv one time to a guy who does resin casting and he did resin cast of critters uh because i i really enjoyed the artwork nice. I, I know it's not weird but i That's had to have I had to have them in my collection and one of them was like custom painted and it's ridiculously cool. And the other one glows in the dark. So <laughs> they, um, they, they adore my, my writing desk. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm that much of a critters nerd. I, yeah.
2: <laughs> Man, I've paid hundreds of dollars to import like, off-brand, half-legal Macross Blu-rays, so no one here is going (laughs) to...
0: I just paid way too much for Biodome yesterday, so...
2: (laughs) Aura owns all kinds of Thanos hands, if I recall. That's correct. It owns like an orgy's worth of Thanos fists. Aura Uh,
0: uh, it's still single digits but it's high single digits
3: we could really jump on aura here just at the store the other day he was trying to convince me to talk him out of buying another black and white batman statue
0: i also was trying to tell you to convince me to not buy another thanos <laughs> <The> infinity gauntlet
4: <laughs> yeah. you remember
0: the, two, the infinity gauntlet two set that was light up and i still need it why are you getting me talking about it again
3: Uh, Just out of curiosity, Aura, what is the ratio to gloves and gauntlets in your home that you can actually wear versus only exist as pieces of decoration?
0: Are we counting oven mitts? (laughs) (laughs) And
2: and Cody hand-painted his scythe board game, so none of us are going to talk to you about wasting time or money.
3: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Still not finished. (laughs) But I got a gaming computer and I I re-got Dark Souls 3 again, so like... <laughs> I have tons of elusive time wasting projects.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
3: All right.
2: Well, I think I hear the town drunk yelling something about aliens outside my window, uh, so I better go see what's going on. Uh, we'll be back after the jump.
0: No, Josh, don't see what's at your window now.
2: New at Burrito 911. It's our Critter Steam promo foods fun extravaganza.
0: So much
6: food. It burns on my inside parts. We're celebrating the 34th anniversary of the famous Quinter franchise with great F meat full of that 80s flavor.
0: If the meat is grayish brown, wolf it down.
6: Bonus listeria in every bag. The Carnalux Double Burger Bullrito will transport your taste buds to Town Via a rusting Greyhound bus with no air conditioning. Carry on baggage only. Just listen to this testimonial from a world-famous comics author. Uh, who who are you guys, and why are you in my house? No one can resist the unique flavor of our Criterino seasoned fries.
0: Well, what's, that, what's that chloroform smell?
6: Uh. Quench your thirst with a Double Fisk Suicide Soda, made entirely from syrup runoff collected in a spillover tray.
0: Take your life into your own hands!
6: In the
3: cup the size of your upper arm!
6: For the truly adventurous, try the Mystery Meat Pile. Who knows what secrets lurk
3: in the heart of our meat lab? It's horse. 99% horse. 1% world-famous comics author.
0: Waste not, want not.
3: No one wants this. So called Burrito 911 today.
2: The only fast food chain where all the workers are certified in CPR.
0: CPR certification, good only in Soviet block countries.
2: It's a tale as old as time. Boy meets alien. Alien shoots spines tipped with paralytic venom at boy. Sequel features a walk-on by Eddie Deason. Cody, walk us through it.
3: We open on the Satellite of Love, I mean, Spaceballs 1, I mean, uh, a different space model. A uh, prison asteroid island zooms in while we listen to radio chatter of a prison break with some small explosions. We know that eight Krites, all eight of them, escaped with the prison's fastest ship and enough fuel to last 10 cross-galaxy trips. Write this down so you can steal for Lilo and Stitch later. Two bounty hunters are brought to the scene and instructed to stop the Kreitz before they feed. Now we get introduced to the bland, dysfunctional Brown family. Brad is hogging the bathroom. Our father is a distant man who doesn't listen, and Mom is sad that no one acknowledges her cooking.
2: Uh, she's just still traumatized from that bit in the ET novelization where ET dreams about fucking her. Whoa. Then we meet our wives. Novelization that happens.
0: Oh,
5: I, I know that's real. <laughs> I'll have to go look on the shelf and see if it's there
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have some research Sorry. to do after this <laughs> yeah research <Sorry. laughs> then we meet our wise police chief uh M. emmett walsh who's nice enough to let nutty town drunkard charlie out early if he promises to stop talking about martians but that won't circle back at all we return to our yellow silicon gimp mask bounty hunters as the prison warden feeds exposition about their ability to shape shift while they download all of Earth's data, mostly one long Johnny Steele music video who one of the Bounty Hunters decides will be their form, not definitely a plant for the movie, a seriously established musician, Johnny Steele.
2: There's a pretty cool transformation sequence here uh, where the Bounty Hunter's face like melts away and then it slowly builds back up like layer by layer into the Johnny Steele face, which uh, I... I thought it was a really cool sort of gore effect.
3: It's a, it's a nice reverse arc of the Covenant. Yep, basically. You don't get to see what the other hunter turned into uh, for this point. Uh, but back on Earth where critters still haven't landed yet at this point in the movie, Brad is practicing the second act of the movie by blowing up toy spaceships with fireworks, which are prohibited by strict Farber Dad.
2: Yeah, that's Char- off right there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I was writing my synopsis as I was watching, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, it's time to start writing stuff. Uh, Charlie, the town drunkard, also works for Mr. Brown and wants to play with Brad's wrist rocket. If you want to call it that. Uh, which is perfect timing to hit Brad's sister in the ass. She's pissed, and she was just about to bring her fancy greased-up boyfriend Steve over for dinner, a Billy Zane that I didn't realize was Billy Zane. <laughs> Brad takes the heat so Charlie doesn't get in trouble and is sent to his room. After dinner, April takes Steve out to the barn for some classic camp-style necking.
2: Your boyfriend's early career, Billy Zane, who wouldn't? Uh, During this,
3: Dad gives Brad a talking to and confiscates his wrist rocket amongst other fireworks and paraphernalia. Afterward, Brad sneaks out onto the roof to attempt to steal it all back. But before he can, we see Charlie out drinking on his bike and finally fucking see the spaceship with the Krites streak across the sky. Meanwhile, Mom seems to be enjoying some perfectly timed Johnny Steele music videos on their local Kansas television station. Huh, <laughs> wonder if that'll come up when the house starts shaking with the spaceship landing nearby. Mom, dad, and Brad are all alerted that something is going on, whereas April and Steve are pretty busy, so we probably shouldn't bother them. Brad and dad leave to check out what happened in the field, and at this point I'd like to say it was hard for me to handle the knowledge that Brad would grow up to be the voice of Steve Smith on American Dad. At least he wasn't on the Cleveland show.
2: I'd like to hit a pause for a second here to get back to what Aura was talking about earlier, about the pacing. Yeah. Uh, I understand what Aura was saying about watching the first half hour and maybe checking out when you were younger, possibly, because this is a very classically paced and structured film. And it spends a lot of time sort of laying pipe like for exposition so that you know who these people are and what they're doing. I appreciated that, actually. I, I, I very much liked it, but I get the feeling that Aura maybe didn't as much.
0: Well, okay, so as I was watching it, like – the the stuff with the aliens seemed completely divorced from the stuff with the family for so long in the movie before it, like, finally, you know?
3: Yeah, it's it's about to start coming to a, not head, but it's coming to a parallel. But for a while there, it's it's, like, a really long, drawn-out process of going back and forth where I feel like they could have done the whole chunk that's coming up with the, like, parallel with a bigger family chunk sort of thing instead of cutting back and forth between the the two so often.
5: Yeah. This is a, it's very trope heavy in a sense where they, they, they let that, that whole entire thing um, get built up through that, that time where, yeah, you could initially check out because you're
3: like, I've seen this before. Or why is it happening? <laughs> you know, the, the bounty hunter stuff all makes sense because every time it cuts back to them, you're learning a new thing about their powers or like they're exploring earth and those bits are either funny or cool to look at. Meanwhile, like all of the family stuff is just so typical, bland. Like they don't really do any deep characterization. Mom's liter- like her opening scene is making breakfast. Then mm-hmm. the next scene is feeding the kids and the boyfriend dinner. And then by the time she finally sees the eyeballs of the first critter, she is washing dishes. Those are her first three appearances in the movie. I think it might be attributed back to the fact this is the director's
5: first movie. So he was like, okay, checklist. These are the things that have to be in a movie that I know. (laughs) And these are the things that I've seen in a movie. So I need to put them in a movie and then we've got it. We've got it. We've got it. Did it make sense? Well, you know, but, and that's not a negative. Or, you know, it's just, it's just, that's how, that's how things flow in most movies that we see and definitely in this time frame. Uh, it, if you if you comparatively if if it's so compared to to the G movie, uh, more I think to the Munchies movie, that the sister was also but that's you know besides the set point. Um,
4: <laughs> let's
5: uh, talk
3: about ghoulies. Can we talk about ghoulies? The other G movie?
2: <laughs> I don't know, is there a toilet handy? You mentioned munchies.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
5: <laughs> but but yeah, no. Each one of those movies definitely has all of those. They're very, they're very heavy in the same types of things that the character mm-hmm. built in
2: the trope. Uh, so. It's a very sort of <laughs> 70s school of, of film, I think, where there's a lot more of that emphasis on, on character over the genre elements sometimes.
3: The yeah. pacing was so mm-hmm. uh, up all night, like to a T. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I wonder, too, if it's because cause it was a pre-existing script that this guy had been working on for a few years. I wonder if it was like a film school script, you know?
3: There's also like
2: room to death and very carefully hmm. constructed and sort of, it feels less wild than some horror films do.
5: Yeah. Because like, you I don't know. What, Return what to the living death or something.
3: Yeah. You look at what he does later and it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool idea. And it's clear that they, they wanted to lay, they, they obviously by the end of this movie, spoilers ahead, but had ideas for sequels. And it was clear they kind of wanted to just like set a ground thing so that way it's like, oh, we can reveal all these extra things if we want to. <laughs> we Definitely could have a uh, Remlins though. I was just about to say we could have a uh, we could have an electric critter and we can also have a uh, a lady critter.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> a, flasher critter. <laughs>
5: a flasher critter. What about a flying critter or a really smart critter?
2: <laughs> or a sexy lady critter.
5: No, or a third
3: sexy lady critter. <laughs> I mean, what happened to the second one? <laughs> oh, I said one first and then Josh said another one. Oh, oh, okay. and, the third, oh and then there would be a third one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I thought you were implying that two of the critters in this movie were sexy.
3: Whoa. Well, I mean, they can do arm. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I have, <laughs> I have bits and jokes ready.
2: Oh, never mind, Nobody, nothing. All right. We're, we're, we're All right. A responsible
3: podcast. All right. Uh, bringing it back to the synopsis, uh, as we were speaking of Steve Smith, uh, I mean, Brad, uh, he almost trips over a massive cow carcass, signs that the critters have been here, but no money shot yet. We switch to one of the uh, goofy earlier cops swerving off the road to avoid a critter. He gets stabbed in the knee by something and dragged under the car. Again, no money shot, but it's clear what we're building towards. Uh, next, we get some cool first-person critter shots as they run through the Brown's yard, uh, scaring Mother Mary as she does. What else? Wash dishes. We finally get to see the beady red eyes, but Dan Dad can't find anything with the flashlight. So by now, the bounty hunters have landed. Johnny's steel partner still hasn't fo- found a form they like, so they decide to stay looking like a sour lemonhead candy for the time being. As
2: long as it's not Sherry Clan, I'm fine.
3: <laughs> Back on the farm, looks like the phones are dead, and something has chewed through the fuse box. Dad spies something furry and moving around on the tool shelf, so he reaches out with a hand, and finally we get a glimpse of our first critter. But it's a fake out, and it only takes a second for the second critter to drop on Dad's shoulder in bite form. Several needles are shot into Dad, and he sustains more worrisome bites. He takes a ball hammer to one of the critters' head, but his leg is uh, still being chewed on and eventually has to be dragged out of the cellar by Mom and Brad to keep him living.
2: Uh, he's also uh, tripping balls on crape venom at this point from the spines. <laughs> the
3: space bounty hunters come across the wrecked cop car, and the indecisive one takes the form of the cop the critters killed earlier, including the blood on the face and the bags under his eye, which I thought was kind of a funny joke. Uh, it, finally,
2: he goes into the church and he's well lit, and you can see it. It, it really works very well.
3: Yeah. Uh, Finally, we get back to April and Steve, and Steve gets the best glory kill so far, getting his fingers bitten off and then swarmed by more of the critters while April screams and tries to fight them off with a pitchfork. Uh, Good thing Brad was carrying his convenient little bastard toolkit and had fireworks at the ready, which the critter eats up, fizzes smoke out of the mouth, and then anticlimactically falls over.
2: Uh I do really think they missed a shot at a, at a good gore scene there where they could have had the thing explode all over. So I totally thought the pretty same pretty thing. Yoda brothers.
3: Yeah, definitely thought it, they should have exploded it because then everybody could have some chunks and blood on their shirt that wouldn't match later frames, and that would be another horror classic staple, <laughs> the mismatched blood splattering. Uh, now we get to see what the rest of this sleepy Kansas town is up to in the middle of the night. Church. The bounty hunters crash their police car going in reverse into the front of the church and then span out asking about Kreitz, which I also thought was funny. The pastor immediately recognizes the small town cop, Jeff, then watches in horror as the bounty hunter decides right now with no sentence that this is the best time to steal the pastor's identity in front of them. And then they shoot up an organ and everybody spills out. Back on the farm, the family locks and loads to try to escape. But the inside of their truck has been torn to shreds. April has Steve's keys, though, so they try the next car, which of course contains the jump scare for the screaming critter. The fuzzballs roll around after the family and chase them back onto the porch, where Dad does what he does best, which is get ambushed again multiple times. It seems to be his second favorite activity. And Brad runs around to try to get inside the house to unlock the front door. Two critters on the porch speak in Anglian language to each other saying they have weapons, Uh, but then, so what? Right as a shotgun is pointed out the door and blasts one to leave the remaining critter to shout fuck before rolling away.
0: Hang on, can I stop? That was my favorite bit in this. Like, where, where the, where, I guess I just assumed that the critters didn't have any sort of, like, mental capacity. They were just sort of mindless bitey things uh-huh. and then they're having that conversation and i was like oh
3: <laughs> like it feels like a muppet bit almost like, a, yeah. like an r-rated yeah. muppet bit <laughs> totally <laughs> you can hear it in like frank oz's voice like in a different universe uh the we also haven't mentioned this uh, most of this time dad is rocking like a sick pink and blue bowling league shirt yes. which has like a, a ghostbusters logo but with a bowling pin on it uh, dad's bowling league seems to really be missing him but thank god johnny Steele and our small town reverend just walked into the bowling alley looking like second-rate star lords
2: fun fact uh alex jones recently hinted on Infowars that he was offered the part of star lord before chris pratt uh no that's that's not a joke take a minute to laugh at it uh i would take M, M. M. at walsh any day
4: <laughs> just saying
3: oh i'm mad ronin the destroyer you won't get me Uh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) i listened to your tape mom (laughs) uh
3: the uh the bounty hunter's flashy prince outfits obviously pull some attention which ends in a scuffle as you can imagine it would in a bowling alley in kansas Uh, one thing that they did get right about the climate of kansas uh, the indecisive hunter changes forms again to our friend Charlie. And back on the farm, the critters launch their second attack. Brad almost kills himself trying to shoot one stuck inside of a couch like Frank Reynolds.
0: <laughs> Guys, after this podcast, let's play Nightcrawlers.
2: For the last time, no.
3: Luckily, a falling ceiling fan is all it takes to kill one of the hardened space convicts. The next critter gets dunked in the toilet upstairs. Yay, teamwork. Meanwhile, M. Emmett Walsh has just about had it with his nutty secretary and her wild stories about the pastor town drunk and some third person shooting up the Bolorama. He decides he'll check it out himself. Brad, now the alpha male of the family since dad can't kill a sentient craft store fuzzball, does <laughs> some perimeter patrolling and learns that the critters are growing inside the chicken coop. Finally, we get some fun scenes of the critter tearing up the room and interacting with an E.T. doll.
2: Uh, d wallace brought that from home
3: (laughs) it's like it's like our school teachers don't have enough money for their supplies this this film was like hey does anybody have props from other movies they could bring by
2: (laughs) Uh, that was that was a joke i don't know if it's a fact
4: oh
3: (laughs) Uh, brad runs into the bounty hunters and realizes pretty quickly that it isn't his charlie but is savvy enough to quickly strike a deal to help protect his family. We're currently being harassed by gropy armed hand puppet things, which definitely seem longer than any appendage we have seen from any critter at this point. They do manage to kill another one, and by this point, the bounty hunters have half of their job done for them. So how do they thank the Browns? By completely obliterating their front door and surrounding walls. Emm- Emmett Walsh shows up around this point too and realizes the situation is fucked. And the bounty hunters can't seem to kill one of the critters point blank with their hand cannons, but do have enough wherewithal to throw Emmett Walsh out of another window. God damn. The Browns are going to need a barn raising after this. <laughs> Brad splits off from the hunters to try to find his farm cat Chewy while comforting his cat. Brad is startled by the grown critter, which is now about the size of a small Chuck E. cheese mascot or for you older guys, showbiz pizza bear.
0: That's, that's a better, yeah.
3: <laughs> it escapes out the window and runs away with April as a hostage. This is another sign that these are more than just food-hungry, sentient things. They have an idea of what will get them away. Brad takes off on his bike, and the rest of the crew will piles into the cop car after him. Brad runs into the real Charlie, who tells Brad he was right all along as they both watch the senior critter load April onto the stolen ship which by this point has shifted from small Chuck E. Cheese-looking mascot to, like, if somebody just took the back half of Snookums from the Muppets. You know the big thing? You know what I'm talking about?
4: Yes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Brad uh, manages to save April, but not before alerting the critters. Uh, He drops one of his fireworks he couldn't light, and Charlie makes an impromptu Molotov out of his MD-2020 bottle.
0: MD-2020 for those occasions where Boone's Farm – It's just a bit too fancy.
3: The fire doesn't spread quick enough, so the critters have enough time to completely completely obliterate the Browns' house with a laser. But as soon as the fire hits the fireworks, they are also destroyed. Johnny Steele gives Brad some device, and the two hunters walk away. The cat lived, and that's good to know. And the device that Steele gave Brad is a magic house fixer button. So we see a (laughs) terrible reverse shot of the house returning to more uh, normal. So,
0: so there's the moment where the mom has that emotional, like, whatever. And, uh, I thought sort of like, as you guys had written in this, you know, in the synopsis earlier, I was like, what are you upset about mom? You don't have more dishes to wash or something like (laughs) this, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess her house is destroyed or whatever. But but it was,
2: it was like, this was weird emotional
0: right? moment that just, like, felt, yeah, I don't know.
3: Yeah, they must have just given up on Dad, like, after the second attack. Because he gets hit so many times. I couldn't believe more people didn't, like, die, die in this movie.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, the final shot we get to see the next morning is uh, three alien eggs in the chicken coop. Ripe for three sequels. Or four or five if you account the TV show in the twenty nineteen whatever thing that happened.
2: Yeah. The uh well the web series and the uh and the reboot, which I think was a film, but I haven't seen. Yeah. I have seen the web series. It's are
0: they all in the same continuity? So
2: weird. Uh
0: don't think so. The,
2: the, the reboot is I think a reboot. I, I haven't okay. seen it. The the web series is. It it's features it right. doesn't feature any returning characters, I don't think. Uh, the the Krites.
3: well
6: yeah,
2: returning returning characters that they have to pay for.
3: No returning puppets though. All oh. all new crites.
4: See crites. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ooh, I hope not. Fuck.
2: <laughs> I read the reboot has D. Wallace as the same character, basically.
3: So they went the Trimmers route. Get who you can.
2: Um. So one thing that I learned getting the discussion of this film, something that I kind of liked about it, like when you come to horror comedy, there's sort of, I, I think it as three types, which I think it was like the Evil Dead types, like you have your Evil Dead type horror comedy where it's really a horror film that just has some sort of slapstick elements used for horror. But it's not like if you watch the first Evil Dead, it's not much of a comedy. Yeah, that movie's
3: funny. not supposed to be funny. It is in retrospect, but.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's it just they had a, a slapstick sensibility and they used that for some of the gags in it, but it's not funny. Then you have Army of Darkness, which is just a Three Stooges movie that has zombies in it. <laughs> it's like, you know, Evan Costello and be Frankenstein, but like gorier. <laughs> uh, and then there's the Evil Dead 2, where it's very much a sort of middle ground horror comedy where it still functions as both, like as a horror film and a comedy, by letting the the comedy evolve more from situations, I think. Which is sort of where I would place this film, like as a comedy, because it uh, Wikipedia refers to it as a comedy. And I was going into this, not having seen this the the original for quite some time, I was like, I wonder where this sits on that continuum. And I think I'd place it in that that two area. Like it has bits that are meant to be funny, clearly, but it's not it tries to let them be situational instead of being like just goofy and over the top. It, it, it lets you sort of breathe a little. Mm-hmm. What, what would people think about that? People would think nothing about
3: it. I was waiting. Cause I was like, there's one person without a camera. I, I didn't know if they were about to talk.
0: <laughs> uh, and I was waiting for everyone
3: else. I, so I had,
0: time. I had my, I was, readying my genre swap button
3: (laughs) sorry go on i mean i can talk to that because evil dead is one of my favorite horror franchises for exactly that thing it's clear that the series evolved over time to fit with what was working and then what works even better is then in the modern retrospect you get things like the tv show ash versus evil dead which is a combination of all three of those type of things but when it's the combination, it ends up being more like Evil Dead 2, which is what people want. They want that situational comedy, they want people to swear, they want goofy slapstick stuff, but they also want characters that you like to get stabbed and like you have fear for people you've made a connection with. In this movie, there's like multiple times where dad is like bleeding out, but none of his dialogue is believable when he's like, uh-uh. Oh, oh, and they all seem to just kind of like. Huddle together. There's no real worry about fortifying the house or escaping the house. So they just kind of do these things because it's what you do in a horror movie.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I, I felt like there was definitely like, by having a movie that's split in the in between these two genres of horror and comedy, uh, it, it leaves a little bit in column A and column B for the people who want a little of column A and a little of column B. Uh, for the enjoyment factor, but it also gives the uh, the the people that are acting it and and actively making this film to uh, to be able to play off the two sides and yeah, some things may may have landed some things and landed perfectly and some things may not have i e what you just discussed with the dad and his uh, stuff not really being believable. uh there was a couple of moments like even in the basement where it's like he's he's going for he's he says he says a bit of dialogue and it's like you just said the thing and you're looking at the thing that you're talking about and it's not why are you not doing the thing that you just said that you
3: could physically do
5: but you're not now you're now you're dying
3: (laughs) yeah the all of the bounty hunter stuff is so much more entertaining because they are not like expositing everything as they do it. That's what like yeah. dad's main strength is.
0: Yeah. Well, sure. so when you're talking about a combination of genres, I mean, the danger you have is like less, you know, of, of maybe something falling on its face. Like, like, if, you know, when you have like the X-Men movie, you know, the first X-Men movie is pretty good until you get to that point where Storm like makes that joke about, you know, a toad getting struck by lightning <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like ripped out of it, right? That's but that's I think overall you can look at that. Issue. what's that?
2: I contend that's very much a performance issue. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> like
2: she gives the wrong can... reading, the objectively wrong reading to that line.
0: Sure, um, but but I think you can come out of X Men and be like, yeah, X Men was an all right movie except for that one thing. But um, you know, you what the bigger problem when you try to combo genres like that is it can become neither fish nor fowl, um, and then and then you're like, well, am I supposed to be taking the gremlins' threat seriously? Because they are just having fun in that bar,
4: you yeah. know?
2: Like. <laughs> they seem like good enough guys to have a drink with. <laughs> yeah,
0: they like popcorn
5: buckets.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they listen to, what are they listening to? They're listening to some song in that scene that I really like. I can't remember. Flashdance? Flashdance? No, there's a Flashdance parody in it, but they're listening yeah. to something else, I swear. Oh, mm.
3: They're, well, it's funny too, because for just for uh, clearly for the sake of comedy in that scene in the G movie, there's still like a human waitress that's like serving them drinks. That's ridiculous. Any other person yeah. would have left, but it's clear that that's the joke versus like in this movie, you kind of, they, they dip back and forth a little bit, but by the time the critters show up, it's already like halfway through the movie. So there's not a lot of time to do more of that stuff. So I like I'm still planning on watching all the sequels. I kind of hope I get a little bit more of that. Oh, you're gonna get it in number two for sure. Fuck yes, that's what I was hoping for. Especially seeing that Johnny Steele is in number two as well. Oh yeah. No, this is like I mean in number
5: one they set it up really good with that, that Johnny Steele. And also too, I mean the the this this cast is just is fantastic, right? For one and two, but it's mm-hmm. also they 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 grabbed these people that were so great uh later on in other other roles that you're like oh my gosh i remember this person from what did i see oh critters
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
5: but you're sitting there watching like you know uh uh the orville and you're like man who is this guy I remember <laughs> from, oh my gosh it's the kid from critters with
3: the giant firecracker
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. one of the guys from this went on to the orville if i recall
3: yeah that's that's the guy who is the voice of steve smith on american dad that's i was like oh i was looking at the the cast photos trying to figure out certain characters names because another up all night staple is i don't think they said the daughter's name until halfway through the movie i was like what the fuck is the girl's name yeah and she's in a ton of them right yeah she she, she's she's yeah, she's in so many scenes, but like they're constantly. She's like, oh, Brad is hogging the shower, and Mom's talking to the daughter. So it wouldn't make sense for a mom to use her own daughter's name like multiple times when her like standing right in front of her.
2: I you feel like the passive aggressive, like hey April.
3: You know, I think, you know what this movie missed, even though it did a lot of stuff with the uh, the whole setting up the family, it missed like uh, the tongue in cheek bit where both of them are at school and it builds that relationship of like, oh, we don't like each other, but we look out for each other. Meanwhile, Brad gets like a biology lecture about uh, like the physiology of animals that aren't like normal to Kansas or something like that. <laughs>
0: All right, we got to talk about the Kansasness of this movie uh, (laughs) for a minute because this 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 might have been a me problem, but I was like, I was half trying to pinpoint like where Grover's Bend is actually supposed to be, because one of the things they do is they they mention that wherever they are, they're getting Kansas City radio and Kansas City TV, so it's somewhere near Kansas City on the Kansas side, right? So I was like I was like well anywhere between I guess Leavenworth and you know outside of you know outside of Lawrence basically and then south Cody where you were at in the south did you get Kansas City stuff or was that too far south
3: No way too far south we could get um <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I I know like people talk about like 95 the buzz I, nobody in my hometown could get that station. It wasn't until I moved to Emporia, which is further North that we could even like pick up s- signals and stuff like that. Uh, the, the rock radio station, when we moved from Hutchinson to the, the smaller town in very far Southeast Kansas that I grew up at the, like within two years of moving there, their rock and top hit station transitioned to country only. And I grew up my entire life with just country radio for the local radio station.
0: No. (laughs) I'm sorry, Cody.
3: It's okay. We all have our crosses to bear. (laughs) I was going to say, you have to look at a map
5: of topography and see where the highest point of Kansas is because obviously it's wherever that freaking hill is. That's where (laughs) it is. From what I understand and my parents told me, they had to drive for hours through Kansas when they lived there to find a place that had a hill to... (laughs) Eat on to look at the view of everything that wasn't just like just fields and or a tree.
0: Well, like well tree. <laughs> so the part of Kansas that we live in is this part that this movie takes place in, um, and the, 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 the <laughs> highest the highest well, point <laughs> near us is is called uh, Mount Oriad which
2: is uh, say the uh, highest point Josh.
4: is KU. <laughs> yeah, KU is built, built
2: on University. it. University. Yeah. Oh, gosh,
0: that's um, where the stripes
4: are at, then. Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> potentially. Um, beyond that, there are very few hills around here, let alone places where mountains would be in the background. But that's neither here nor there.
3: Um. <laughs> with, how, with how, like, brown wheat fields, like, this movie looked, I imagine, like, it all takes place north of uh, Tonganoxi, where like the speedway and stuff like that is now there's like nothing near that so I was like oh if this took place in the 80s it could have conceivably been like right there and I would have believed it
2: it kind of reminds me in that way of of Jericho the tv series which I don't know if anybody uh, else watched that yeah watched the entirety of it and read the comic follow-up to it
1: <laughs> yeah
2: um Which is it's a great show that is set in a Kansas that in no way resembles the Midwest in even the smallest amount. True, (laughs) Uh, because it has it's it's telling these these like sort of Hollywood ideas of what small town America is like, but in a positive way, like not in the way where you'll sometimes see where it's people from larger cities who are like, oh, it's just boring and terrible and full of like racists or whatever, Uh, but in the way where they'll be like these people are like honest and true and and decent and you know hardworking. it's a little less laid on thick in this but it's an idea of rural life that i don't know doesn't resemble what it's like to live in lawrence in the little <laughs> even the
3: little bit sure. well all of these movies in these places act like if you're if you're be, portraying a small town that everybody knows every single person in the town there's like a degree of that that's true, but like the realistic portrayal is everybody would probably recognize the reverend and would probably recognize Charlie if he's like the town drunk or the town character. But like even a small town has more than three cops. Like you don't know every single cop in your small town. I mean, there's other stuff going on politically. Blah, 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 with stuff like that too <laughs> right now. But that's another thing that I always think about like during these movies is, Everybody is on a first name basis with every single person, regardless of if like Farmer Brown probably wouldn't really need to know a lot of people in town, which I mean, they never cross paths, but it's kind of funny watching the bounty hunters get all of the actual interesting Kansas interactions separate from the family.
0: Well, so Grover's Bend doesn't exist as a town but it is probably a reference to Grover Mill, New Jersey, which is where War of the Worlds, the original War of the Worlds takes place. Radio program, rather. Um, Because that was bothering me a little bit during the movie too. I'm like, Grover's Bend, I recognize that. Why do I recognize that? (laughs) Oh, because that's where the radio program for War of the Worlds takes place, is in Grover's Mill. Um, But the bigger thing that got me, Cody, uh, was the accent <laughs> like yeah. I was like, what why does everybody in here have a southern accent and yalling up?
2: <laughs> well I think the problem here, Aura, is that you're saying that there was one axe.
3: <laughs> There's that too. <laughs> yeah, at no point in time did I really believe like I knew that the family were the characters and it was more like this character's name is the dad of the family, as opposed to any of these people are believably related to each other. <laughs> Varying degrees of like hairstyles, eye colors.
2: But, but yeah, to Aura's point, do you think that's another thing you, you see in those sort of Hollywood portrayals of small Midwestern life is that they get a bit y'all. Y'all. Which y'all. Is, yeah. You know, we were, we were on the union side though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very definitively in this particular state,
3: We're not, we're not like those Okies down south
0: I, I I believe this state has a bigger beef with Missouri
3: actually yeah that's that's true for sure. Football or uh, racially slaves in the bleeding Kansas era. So I was at the store
0: the other day and I made some joke about Missourians uh, to to uh, to one of our co-workers, workers and he just started off about Missourians, and I was like, oh, man, like, I had no idea you had that in you.
4: Or
2: <laughs> like, and I are from Nebraska, where our rivalry was with Iowa and has no fucking cause Iowans. at all. <laughs> Meaningless. They're <laughs> the same state, practically. Yeah. Although Des Moines is a fucking cesspit of vice and, and, and terror. Um,
0: I, I would say, though, our Moines, beef with Iowa uh, is is like little brother, big brother kind of, you know.
2: Like, Council oh, they Bluffs can't drive whatever
0: those idiots. What's that?
2: Council Bluffs is it's a pit of vice.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, but if, yeah, man, like that, that Kansas and Missouri thing runs real damn deep here.
2: Well, it's, it's a bit more legitimate in that it refers to a time when they were actually a, basically an undeclared state of war.
3: Sure. If, we, uh, if anybody else needs to use this time to also uh, piss on other small towns, I just want to give a huge fuck you to Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. <laughs> go fuck what did Scott's Bluff do to you uh, Scott's Bluff is like 10 hours away from us so it's a, the longest car ride of my life that's mm. it
0: <laughs> that's
3: your I won't I won't, I won't a get long
0: ways away
3: I won't get any more into it just in case any of the family members that still talk to me ever listen to this show
0: <laughs> all right fair enough you know what <laughs> stop it there. I mean, Greg is like ten hours from us too. Yeah. You don't hate Greg, do you? That's yeah. true.
3: I don't hate Greg, and I'll totally drive ten hours into Colorado if I need to.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, if you drive ten hours into Colorado, you can get you know legal weed. <laughs> there
3: you go. What? You can do that in Colorado? Yeah. I was just looking at <laughs> mountains. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>
1: fucking Cody. <Tony. laughs> <laughs> It's
4: all that's there. That's
2: right. <laughs> great. Well, laugh it up, fuzzballs. We'll be back after the jump.
0: Guys, check it out. I was playing around with my cool new metal detector in the backyard, and I found this box.
2: A uh, cool metal detector? No, that's not... No. What do you need a metal detector for? Are you a beachcomber now? Uh, I think we just call them beach bombs. Uh, it's, it's an old man thing, like the ho- like the uh, the Hawaiian shirts and the hat.
6: Hey! Wow,
3: I just got here. Way to make a dude feel real welcome.
0: (laughs) Hello, graphic novelist and guest of the show, Greg Smith.
3: I suppose we could have sent a memo to Josh that we'd all be dressed in Hawaiian shirts.
0: I actually started wearing mine because summertime needs a more festive gear.
3: I wear mine because I don't think Rasta stripes or pot leaves are cool, but I need people to know that I'm a relaxed dude. I wear mine because I want people to think I'm just a young Jonathan
5: Mayberry.
0: You guys are losing the lead here. I found this box. The only thing I can see on it is that it's labeled 1986. Probably a time capsule. What do you suppose is inside?
2: Eh, Some old speak and spell, probably.
3: Some audio cassettes, probably. Some I Love You Kiss Kiss mixtapes, probably.
2: Ooh, some Reese's Pieces, probably. Some Punky Brewster poster, probably.
3: Some uh, flock of seagulls make your hair all big and tall gel, probably.
5: Some Reagan presidential physical fitness medal, probably.
2: Some He-Man toys, probably. Some Tiger Beat magazines, probably. Some shit we ripped off Letterkenny, probably.
5: <laughs> Something bad, probably. Maybe we shouldn't open it, probably.
0: Only one way to find out. Aw, uh, what a rip. What is it? Just a bunch of newspaper clippings about an alien landing that happened on April 11th, 1986.
2: Oh, no.
3: How do I not remember that?
2: I don't remember that either. Uh, maybe they're tabloid fiction clippings like alien landings were a big deal in the 80s and so were the tabloid magazines and fanciful stories and conspiracy crap about lizard people or alien landings and the continued adventures of that boy. Before the internet existed, people believed those things based on their ideological orientation. Those nudge jobs that read and believe these were usually made fun of, quieted by people who believed in science, evidence, and rationality before the nonsense got out of hand. Uh, now the internet has given these nuts a megaphone and an opportunity to meet each other and form communities with a feed off of each other and because some other sat believes the crap more and more people buy into it, exacerbated by a near responsible mass media who only care about eyeballs and advertising dollars represent both sides of issues that are actually not two-sided rather than presenting actual critical presentations of facts.
0: Oh. Okay. Look like legit news, reliable sources. Like USA Today, the New York Times.
3: Uh, hey, sorry, Greg. Uh, you clipped out there a little bit. Uh, what was that? Uh, no, 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 nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing.
2: nothing. Uh, I don't know anything about this alien landing in 1986. Yeah, give me an afternoon and I can make you up a headline from USA
3: Today about how your mom pleasured a rowing team, including the Coxswain.
0: Correction, it wasn't a rowing team, it was a cricket team. And it was just the batsmen, none of the other positions.
3: Whoa, your mom blew Batman in several positions? That's so cool.
0: No, it's not.
3: No. Yeah, it's okay, buddy.
0: Look, reading through some of these, these fur aliens landed and created some havoc, but left and promised to come back in 15 veer
3: What's a veer uh,
2: Our translation robot, Sunny Five, might know, but he's drunk right now.
3: Translation ro-
0: robot?
5: What?
3: The- oh, yeah. He, he's our robot we found in a dumpster after we went to caveman times and hell, but before the cannibalistic sex orgy.
1: What?
3: Uh, just thank Christ that there were no cheerleaders in this week's movie. Otherwise, we'd be having a whole different conversation.
5: Never mind. I'll call off the dogs. You people are clearly getting high off your own supply. Ugh.
2: So I wonder when the aliens will be back. Cody, did you hear that Aura's mom gave it to a whole Quidditch team?
3: When will the Furlians be back? Why doesn't anyone remember the invasion? Was Greg a member of a special task force to stop that podcast crew from screwing up the world, the universe, and the timeline any further? Is Josh still the mayor of hell, or has someone else supplanted him? One or more or none of these questions could be answered next time on Sketch 2 Theater.
2: We've talked enough about the Kripes chewing the scenery. It's time to give Aura a turn. Give us the games, game man.
0: Hey! It's the fun and games portion of the show. This is this is the uh, this is where we, we do uh, you know some uh, some some uh, some little trivia games sometimes some little some little uh, improv bits uh, so um, let's take a spin of that big old wheel Cody and see what it lands on.
3: Sound effects added in here. Wheel turning. Wheel 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 wheel. Uh, <clears throat> click 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 click. Wheel.
0: <laughs> the hosts. Okay, so uh, what this is. Is uh on the you know, on the first show I promised every time we'd have a, a guest on, we'd do this bit where we would have them either do uh, Gilbert Gottfried's voice or Rhonda Shear's voice in a in a, you know, for as long as they can before they break. So uh, Greg, sorry to put this on you, buddy. We to be fair, we'll do it too. So uh, it's not just you. Uh, but uh you did mention you had some familiarity with Gilbert Gottfried's voice.
5: Okay. Yes. So,
0: so I picked a speech, oh, uh, okay. a speech from another popular film, an alien film, in fact,
4: uh-huh. uh,
0: that I'll post over here in the chat. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh,
0: so, okay. Uh, all of us will go around the horn and do this, do this uh, speech in Gilbert Gottfried's voice or Rhonda Shear's voice until we break.
5: All right. Hold on a second. I'm trying to. Get to the chat, but I can't find the chat. It's not. Oh,
0: it's a uh, hover over oh. on the bottom.
5: Yeah. Right. I'm back into the thing and uh, hovering at the bottom. Where's the.
0: Yeah, the, if you hover at the bottom, there's a little chat thing that should come up and then you just click oh, on it and it'll it. pop it out. All right. All right. Got it. Got it. All right. The whole thing, that whole thing right there. As far as you can get without breaking. All right.
5: Oh, boy.
1: Good morning! In less than an hour, Aircraft!
3: Ah, this is terrible, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> No, you were doing so great, that was amazing. <laughs> I, I,
1: is it school in my eyes? But I can't, and you'll, you'll be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind! The words should have all the meaning for us today. We'll be consumed by petty differences anymore. We will be, I've got my eyes closed. <laughs> See, damn it. Perhaps it's fate today, the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We are fighting for our right to live. To exist and should win the day of the Fourth of July and to be known as the American holiday. But today, the, the world declared the one voice. God, this voice is terrible to do. How can he do this all the time? I need some tea afterwards, cause that's just a, a bag of leaves inside of hot water. It just <laughs> urinates over and over again until it, until you drink it down. Your throat feels better, but I gotta finish this this thing. We will not know go quietly <laughs> tonight. We will vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive today. We celebrate our Independence Day. Ah! <laughs> <Goodbye>. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
4: Alright.
0: I'll go. Since this was uh, my thing, I'll go next. <clears throat>
2: Maybe for the sake of time like us on the show can just do the give our best today we celebrate independence day.
0: Wait. <laughs> yeah. uh, where where
2: the the final line the signature one.
0: Okay. And we should <clears throat> and we should not win the day. The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday <clears throat> but the day we declared in one voice. We will not go quietly
3: the <laughs> night. <Nice. laughs> that was and I'm out <laughs> <laughs> You didn't even have to worry about doing the whole thing. Yeah. All right, Josh, you want to give it a go? We will not
2: go quietly into the
6: night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate
2: Independence Day.
4: <laughs> all
3: right let me see where all
2: right oh, that's, okay to the throat <laughs> all right i'm
3: gonna highlight so i can know <clears throat> for me to do the voice i always have to i have a line that i say for the gilbert Godfrey voice to get me into it <clears throat> i was the parrot on aladdin and should we win the day
6: the fourth of july will no longer be known as an american holiday
3: but as the day the world declared with one voice, holy hell, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. You'll see more nipples. who are going to survive. Today we celebrate our Independence Day. Uh,
0: I tell you what, that was worth the price of admission alone to the show. <laughs> We're charging admission for this, right, Josh?
2: (laughs) Not not quite yet.
0: (laughs) God. Oh no, I lost the
2: script. Okay, where'd it go?
0: (laughs) All right. Wanna take another spin of that big old wheel Cody?
3: Uh wheel spin. Click, 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 (laughs) click.
0: So it landed on genre swap. Genre swap is the is the is the game that we play every episode. What we do is we, uh, pretend that we're doing this movie, but we give it a different genre. So, uh, as a, as sort of a, an exercise, we try to establish, uh, the same sort of, the same sort of movie, but with a different genre. Uh, so, uh, Greg, I didn't necessarily clear this with
3: you. So that's better. I, it's better that way.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, do you want a hard one or an easy one, Greg? Um, just, just throw it at me, throw it at me, see what happens. I don't, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right, well, let me, uh, let me go ahead and then, uh, assign you a, this same movie, but as, uh, oh, you know what? Let's do Noir. So, Greg, then you would assign to, uh, either Josh or Cody. Okay. Uh,
5: Cody. Yeah. And what I uh assign them a, a different a different genre, uh, yeah. Genre, okay. Uh I want a um, uh I want a uh, meat cute uh rom com.
3: Ooh <laughs> when Harry and Sally met the critters. Yeah. Okay. Uh and Josh uh critters as a spaghetti western.
2: Oh damn it. <laughs> Uh, aura, uh, Critters as a 50s, 60s beach musical.
0: <laughs> ah! Ah, ah. I'm, I'm boned up on these. I, can, I, want, I think I can do this. I
2: want like all of
3: these as real bits.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's the problem okay, so, with genre <laughs> Response.
0: So um, whenever you're ready, just uh, say something because uh, I, I sort of gave to Greg first, but I didn't prepare him for this so uh, oh, i'm not prepared what do i do um, oh so <laughs> i'll
2: outline a couple bits uh, from what the movie would be like so I'll not, I'll not very strict requirements
3: yeah i'll just go ahead and go first to give you an idea what was uh what was my genre again Meat cute Meat cute that's right okay oh, so yeah. um <laughs> all right i got this so it's going to be set in modern times And when I say modern, I mean like modern, modern times. So COVID virus is going on. And you got got April and you have Steve. And April has her like boring Kansas family in the background. They're like, oh, come play board games with us. We can't leave the house. She's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I had a Skype with my boyfriend, Billy Zane, Steve. And uh, Steve is not Billy Zane now. He's played by that Steve guy from uh, Stranger Things, of course. Mm. Like all of those people from Stranger Things get cameo appearances in this movie because that's the other thing to clearly show that it's set in modern times.
2: Not but, Steve Holt from Arrested Development though. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, his limelight is gone. <laughs> so uh so it's April and Steve and they're like they're vid they're vid camming and uh They do like the the cutesy dates where they like, they set up a picnic blanket outside and it's uh, as like the dusk is setting and they're having like a romantic candle at dinner and uh, Steve is like, oh, there's like a dog or there's some weird squirrel that's trapped in this bush over here and you get, you hear like this awful garbled audio and she's like, oh no, 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 no. What happened is like, did something wrong with the dog? And then the connection cuts out. So uh, she breaks quarantine to go to go run to find Steve. And as she's breaking quarantine, then, of course, then we get the rest of the family, like, trailing behind them. The brother's like, oh, I'm going to tattle on April. Mom sees Brad leaving. So mom takes off, like, away from the kitchen finally. And dad is like, oh, my God, this family, oh, they're all addicted to their cell phones. <laughs> so no. it runs, uh... runs after them. And then the rest of it is, you know, basically critters. But uh... – <laughs> They got the meat cute at the beginning. <laughs> COVID meat cute. Nice.
0: All right. So, scene: a beach party. Right. It's a it's a nineteen sixties nineteen fifties era Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello style. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh, the inciting incident the the thing that that draws people in. Is uh, the meathead character? I I forgot his name from those movies, but I think it's something like Meathead. Uh, he, if you want to imagine him, he's like Shaggy from the uh, from the Scooby Doo cartoons. This guy goes missing, and people are like, "Well, what what happened to Meathead? What happened to What happened to that guy?" And and they're just going about their beach their beachy business um, when uh, one of the other beachgoers unfurrows a blanket, and a critter pops out like like she sort of rolls out of it. Um, and, and in this, in, in my vision of this one, the, the critters are kind of like uh tribbles in that they, in that they're like constantly sort of multiplying rather. So they're kind of becoming a problem on the beach as the movie goes forward. Um, the musical interlude though, the thing, the musical in this is a, uh, is, is a, uh, you know, the, the kids on the beach singing, you know, playing guitar or whatever but it becomes the visual for the movie which is a which is one of the critters on a surfboard while that's happening. <laughs> so that's uh that's that's as far as I got. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> All right. So uh Oh, I forgot cuz I was looking at something on my phone. Uh when Cody was doing his I did also come up with a name for his uh, Meet cute <laughs> uh when Harry met Furry.
3: <laughs> That's good.
2: Um, so mine it's a it's a western. Uh, it's spaghetti, spaghetti western.
0: we just spaghetti like going western. through.
2: So there's this uh, small remote town in Kansas, uh, cut off from all the uh, from all the the local Kansas territory, cut off from the the local government, uh, and they're being uh plagued by this weird gang, the the crate gang. Ooh. Uh mm-hmm. who are all critters, but they ride horses. And, uh, <laughs> um so the people of the town set out to hire a bunch of uh gunslingers so they get a a few they get some bounty hunters from out of town, uh seven of them. And it is uh I don't know. The mag- is it of the Magnificent Seven? <laughs> <laughs> the, good, the good, the bad, and the critters.
3: Yeah. That's funny. That's great. Just like paying admission to see one ride a surfboard or paying admission to this movie, which is just to see critters eat people, I would totally pay the full movie ticket just to watch a hilarious critter this big ride a horse.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh, I absolutely would be there with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: all right, Greg, do you feel like you, you, you got <laughs> yeah, it now? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So the setup, the pitch,
5: Critters is an oar. You've got Johnny Steele in character as a very hard-boiled detective. I'm thinking very Mike Hammer, Mickey Spillane style, uh, very, very <laughs> much I, the jury uh, feel to it uh, because he is the jury. Oh. Yeah, that's right the judge jury executioner (laughs) because April comes to him after Steve has been murdered by the critters and she wants, she's seeking vengeance and he takes the job, but he says, I'm a dangerous guy, (laughs) dangerous guys, but I'm more dangerous. So you better stay (laughs) away. I know that you're hurting. I'm not the guy for you and pushes her away. He runs off to her farmhouse to deal out some justice and he gets there and he realizes oh crap there's a lot of these guys here there's one that's really <laughs>
4: really
5: maybe i need a friend so he calls one of his buddies up and you know what
3: he's got a lemon head
5: that's right a lemon <laughs> head and he keeps changing his freaking face over and over that's okay though it is okay because we call him sourpuss um yeah. So, Ooh. anyways, they do less injustice, but they do it in a way very, very dark, <laughs> very noirish. Yeah, I mean, they're wearing the right kind of clothes. They're very, very, <laughs> yeah. very, 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 very in the shadows. He comes back
0: about the about the lemonhead guy, like. Continually changing identity because that's kind of a thing in noir, is like being unhinged from your identity.
5: Yes, it's 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 kind of it. It reminds me much of uh like a like a character of a Dick Tracy. Yeah, Uh, you know, it's it's got that that feel to it. So maybe maybe a little bit of a little bit of of this and a little bit of that. But yes, that feel (laughs) and that flavor that leaves you wanting some more because yeah, at the end. It's never finished, John still (laughs) knows that it's not done. And he says, if you ever need me, give me a call. I'll be there. Like the seasons are always changing. (laughs) My buddy's face is always rearranging. And we'll be there when you need us, but not too soon, baboon. I don't even know what that means. But they always rhyme in those damn movies. You know what I'm
1: talking about?
5: So, yeah. Oh,
1: perfect. Great. That's great. That's 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 that's
3: that's, that's what
5: I'm that's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm feeling.
3: I see the poster for this movie is four critters stacked on top of each other in a trench coat, but you can see all four of them are smoking cigarettes by a, like a lamppost. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right we'll have to bump more you the the more you know till next uh next show here uh h- hey josh how about some uh tr- where are they now trivia and ratings
2: all right uh Stephen herrick the director who this was his first feature uh he was kind of successful i don't know if you guys know that uh he went on to direct bill and ted's excellent adventure uh, he did not direct the Bogus Journey, but he was uh, he was the first Bill and Ted director. Uh, he also was the helm at Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Visions um, are
0: done, man.
2: And the '90s version of the Three Musketeers, if you remember, where yeah. they have uh, Oliver Platt as one of the Musketeers. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: that's right. Oh my God. <laughs> and
2: then he went on to his most acclaimed, most critically well-received film, the live-action 101 Dalmatians. Oh. Uh, and then he also made Mr. Holland's Opus.
0: Oh! What's that? <laughs> Mr. Holland's Opus? <laughs> yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> Never. Didn't win any Academy Awards this year, right? Uh, it
2: actually didn't, but it was nominated.
6: Oh. <laughs> well. Wow. Oh, it had
2: that guy from Jaws
6: in it, right? Yes. And the guy from Piranha. <laughs> oh my gosh, double feature.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, his career fizzled out after you... Uh, made a, a Tommy Lee Jones comedy called Man of the House. Uh, but he moved into TV work uh, and straight-to-video work and still gets work on things like uh, Dallas and the Hawaii 5 reboot. Uh, did you know there was a rush-hour TV show? There was, and he did episodes of it. Uh, but, of course, his career peak was in 2011 uh, when he directed the directed-video WWE comedy The Chaperone starring Triple H. Nice. Uh, Dominic Muir was uh, somewhat less successful. Uh, he wrote a few low budget action films and then began working to Full Moon Entertainment under the name August White, uh, which I would guess was probably done to avoid Writers Guild obligations. Because, uh, I mean, typically when somebody downshifts from working in Hollywood to like somewhere like Full Moon, that's what's happening. Um, they, uh, he scripted Ginger Dead Man, uh, starring Gary Busey, uh, and the first two evil bong movies.
0: Whenever you talk about these, Josh. <laughs> these,
3: these movies are like the staples of I have $4 to spend at a store like the one you and I work at, Aura.
4: <laughs> <Yep.
2: laughs> evil bong movies go, they don't start great and they really go downhill.
3: <laughs> there's um I've seen them all. <laughs> there's the there's also the Ginger Dead Man meets the Evil Bong, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yep. uh, what? There is one so based on these type of movies, like Ginger Dead Man and the Evil Bong movies, the guys that do last podcast on the left did a thing that just came out during COVID that is about a action figure that is like a sentient weed thing, and he keeps taking like a uh it's like an artist, and the artist has uh what do they call exacto blades. And the little action figure is voiced by Henry Zebrowski and he keeps cutting off like chunks of his hair. He's like, dude, smoke my nugs, man. But it's the exact same type of thing where it's like a little stop motion puppet interacting with like <laughs> uh, live action people.
2: God. Here's, a, here's a funny story from when I was in grad school. I was in a sort of seminar, like a career development seminar where we tried to do different types of things that you might do as an academic. And they had us do a film synopsis uh, and I did it of Evil Bong 2. Uh, and I, 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 I don't even know if the professor liked it very much because at a point everyone was laughing so much that no one could talk anymore. Was, <laughs> because I don't know if you noticed, know Evil Dead 2 King Bong features a clan of uh, na- really kind of racist depictions of native women that are entirely women called the Putang Clan.
3: Jesus <laughs> fucking hell.
2: Uh, I think I broke the room with that one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I believe it, though.
2: Unfortunately for Dominic Moore, he did not see uh, Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong because he died in 2010
3: at the age of 48.
2: He does get a character created credit for it, though. so
3: That's nice. Give props.
2: Rest, rest in power, Dominic Moore. Uh, Dee Wallace uh, has 255 IMDB acting credits to her name and continues to get work. Uh, she is not shy about her dream queen past and continues to appear in a lot of horror films, including a role in the critters reboot. Uh, but she also has a lot of family and hallmark and maybe Christian movies on her bio, which is kind of odd. Uh, but the fact that she can kind of bridge that really feels very distinctly D Wallace. Uh, I also want to say, uh, I had, I, I worked at a movie theater once in Topeka that did a, uh, like a horror festival for Halloween, uh, where she was a special guest for it, for me to did the showing Cujo. And she was a super cool person. Like, very down to earth and very nice and very willing to talk to everybody. So You Dee hung out with Dean
0: Wallace?
2: I'm officially a fan of Dean Wallace. What?
0: You hung out with Dee Wallace?
2: Yeah, she was nice, dude. Wow.
3: I feel like the B horror movie people, especially like the ones that have fandoms that are still alive now where you can go to conventions and do stuff like that. I feel like those people are always way cooler and way better at dealing with fans than like big triple A blockbuster movie people are.
2: I feel like the ones that are more sociable, like those kinds of like convention scenes, give them an access to people that, that will be, you know, psyched about their work that you wouldn't necessarily get outside of those. Mm. Those, uh, those genre
3: uh, nobody's stopping her in the grocery store being like, oh, oh my God, were you,
2: were you the mom in E.T.? I mean, she was E.T.'s mom. She's recognizable.
0: Instead, <laughs> instead I bet they look at her in the grocery store and they're like, did I go to school with her?
2: <laughs> yeah. She's somebody who gets a, I know you from somewhere. A lot. Yeah.
3: Because apparently a from a lot 200, yeah, apparently from 255 things, you know her from somewhere.
2: And from like Hallmark movies to Rob Zombie movies, like, oh wow, her, her filmography is a treat.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, Billy Zane, uh, he was in Titanic and also Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Uh, which Never one is more prestigious? Him. You can be the judge.
3: <laughs> Didn't we have a a joke about being in a villi- Billy Zane club called the Zaniacs like last episode? <laughs> Did we? <laughs> I think we did. I think I brought it up on this show. I can't remember.
2: You should get cards. <laughs> uh, Don Keith Oper, uh, who played Charlie, stuck with the franchise the longest of anyone, weirdly. Um, he was Charlie the drunk slash intergalactic bounty hunter in four films. Uh, but he seems to have retired around 2005 or so before the web series. Reboot.
3: So he's, not, he's like the bounty hunter who had stolen Charlie's face in the other movies?
2: Uh yeah, and also he's Charlie as well.
3: Oh, okay. Well that makes because they sense. Take,
2: it's not clear at the end of the first movie, but Charlie goes with them in the second movie.
3: Oh yeah, that, I was not spoiler alert. That was yeah, made um, of, movie, oh.
2: well, the bounty hunters are walking off. He's all like, I can go with you, I'm good at fixing stuff. Oh,
3: he does say they, that, but you, they don't show anything, so you never assume any oh wow sounds cool.
2: persuasive because they yeah. take him with him, but then he gets stuck at the end of two and then he appears in three. I can't <laughs> Uh ah. Uh, uh. We'll see. we will see it all. <laughs> the point is he recurs
0: <laughs> that's great
2: so uh let's do the the ratings real quick out of five uh I will give this film five or four venomous spines out of five uh you guys talked me down a little from four point five because there are I guess a few pacing issues and performance issues, but overall I really I like the tone that it gets and love the creature effects. It has it has some nice gore without being super over the top crazy. Uh, just some fun performances. It's a fun movie. It's fun and that goes a long way for me.
0: Mm. I'll go ahead and give it three rolls in the hay. I also enjoyed the, the practical in. effects and things like that. Um, like I said, though, uh, as I handed the movie off to Cody this week, I, I had to take a couple swipes at it because that, that beginning kind of dragged a little bit.
3: Uh, I'm also going to give it, uh, let's see, I'll give it uh, four Rebuild My House devices out of five. Same thing. Like, I I knew that this was a cult classic for a reason, and I had a feeling it was going to be one of those this is a franchise series and this this first one is more like the pilot that's laying the groundwork but even through like the the bad family acting that's entertaining the bounty hunter was something that i definitely didn't i had no idea about any of that so i was blindsided all those scenes were fun and then yeah like the critter designs are so interesting and obviously they get compared to the g movies and also <laughs> ghoulies and munchies but it's interesting how All of those things are all uniquely their thing too, even though it's the whole franchise about a multitude of small 80 things.
2: I could do infinite podcasts. I would love to do a, like an 80s small monster movie podcast.
3: Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Greg, do you, uh, do you have a rating you want to add? Yeah, I'll give it a, I
5: give it a five out of five of the loudest firecrackers in the county. (laughs) <laughs> uh, as, a, as a creator, I like to look at it, um, I see, like, you can see all the things that are rough on the edges and stuff like that, but a lot of them are forgivable from that other aspect of it. I think a lot of it gives uh, someone that's watching it the ability to say, oh, you know what, this is, when they when they know the history and they know where the people that were part of this uh, went to or where they were coming from, uh, you can see there's a definite push to either grow or be part of something to make it even better. So you've got Emmett Walsh filling in, eating the scenery like the, like the critters, and building things, Dee Wallace as well, doing that. Uh, and, and then you've got a lot of different actors, uh, young actors getting their feet into something and then going on to other stuff. Uh, you all forgot about the Phantom and Billy Zane, and noted uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that you know he he did lose his hair at an early age, and I think it was because of the critters. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that the uh, the movie itself, if it wasn't for something like this, it wouldn't give people like myself uh, that that wanted to like create things that uh, that 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 feeling of like oh that i feel it in my jellies you know <laughs> but also too you know um it, it's a it's a fun watch and it's fun to revisit and and go back and and want to want to play with the ideas of it and and that's why i give it the five loudest firecrackers in the county Five
2: loudest hmm. firecrackers it's a 16 out of 20 which is might be a new record for uh for one of the films that we've done here
3: well, it's definitely a new record because normally with us we can only hit a fifteen out of best marks.
2: <laughs> I, meant by, I meant by average. <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: we had Aaron on that one show.
2: Yeah, that was out of twenty.
3: <laughs> yeah, nobody nobody gave it less
2: sixteen out of twenty. But
3: <laughs> fucking hell no! Yeah, nobody gave it less than four. So that's uh, that's definitely a new record for any of the movies we've watched for this show.
2: What averaged it for? Because Aura gave it a three. <laughs>
3: Oh, I thought he said four. God, <laughs> God damn you, Aura. Jeez.
2: <laughs> okay. We want to move on to uh, one thing from this week, which to explain to our guest during the lockdown, we've been trying to say like one thing we've been watching or reading or whatevering this week. That's helped uh, us keep sane.
3: Put some positive push out there for something that you like.
2: Yeah, very, usually very brief one. I'll, I'll go first if nobody minds. Sure. Uh, I've been following riff tracks for a long time. Like people who are fans of Mystery Science Theater will know them as the project from uh, uh, Michael Jane Nelson and Kevin Murphy and uh, Bill, uh, Bill Corbett uh, from Mystery Science Theater doing movie riffing. Uh, they've recently launched an actual, finally launched an actual app service where you can pay and uh, stream a certain amount of their content. And also it links to your library that you have through them so you no longer have to download things or run them through your computer you can just sort of directly run them through your roku stick or something uh which is or will, is nodding it's tailor-made for me as i have like dozens of burned riff tracks stuff that i bought
0: <laughs> i i so. wish they could see your pile
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh so that's been a great uh great addition i'm psyched uh they finally went around to doing that
3: or you got your thing or you want me yeah to do i do uh
0: I uh, sort of accidentally... So uh, I've mentioned on uh, episodes past that I I took this opportunity uh, locked in my house to sort of catch up on my Arrowverse TV shows. Um, And this week I tripped over... uh, I'm I'm at the point where I'm caught up enough to watch Black Lightning. Um, And Black Lightning just happens to sort of serendipitously be about a lot of the same things that are kind of going on in the world right now. Uh, It's, it's good though. It's not like, you know, it's not like watching a disaster movie. while while the disaster was happening in so much as uh, the black lightning stuff is kind of more hopeful, like, like things still, you know, uh, suck for the characters. uh, But, but at the end of every episode, you know, there's, there's a, there's a ray of light. uh, And, so uh, I mentioned on, on my Facebook, I you know, I said, you know, like Black Lightning is happening sort like as I'm watching it sort of beat for beat what's happening in the news, like because it starts with like bad police and then it like moves on to like riots in the streets. Then it then it sort of moves towards destroying Confederate monuments. And it's been like beat for beat. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like. I can't believe. Um, so, uh, I I I ate through the first season of that in about two days, <laughs> um, which is which is substantially faster than I've been cutting through any of the other shows, just because I sort of couldn't put it down. So, uh, I'd suggest to anyone listening to to give uh, Black uh, Black Lightning. Did I say Black Panther earlier? If I did, I'm sorry. I mm-hmm. meant Black Lightning. said so, Okay, I did. Okay. In my Black head, Panther. I was like, I didn't say Black Panther, did I? Um, okay. Is so,
2: <laughs> one white lightning, Aura?
0: <laughs> is there a is there a white Debbie or <laughs> black Stormy? Sorry, is there a black Stormy? Uh,
3: All right. Uh, for my thing, uh, it hasn't happened exactly yet. Uh, I'm about to do it, uh, but by the time this episode airs, I will have definitely already seen it. Uh, my me and my brother watch a ton of movies together and we especially like, like really dissecting dramas and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, uncut gems, uh, good time. Those are both, uh, safety brothers movies. But today, as soon as we finished recording this, he watched the new Spike Lee movie that got added to Netflix, defy bloods. And, uh, he like, can't stop raving about it so much so that he wants to watch it like again tonight, back to back. So if, if, Every single time that he has gotten this excited about a movie, it always ends up being like, again, one of my next favorite things. So uh, another interesting thing is in the church that I grew up in when I was uh, a young boy, we had a guy at that church that played guitar in the praise band with us. And that guy was in one of the Spike Lee movies, The Confederate States of America. That's basically like a couple of. Have
2: you seen it? Yeah. I hate to burst your bubble. That wasn't Spike Lee. That was Kevin Wilmot from uh, KU.
3: Oh, was it not? I thought okay. No, well, it's
2: it's not. They work together on Black Klansmen, but
3: Yeah, that's uh, so because I know that's his No, you're good. That's the connection from him. He knows Spike Lee from some other thing. I think it's probably because of that connection, but I think I've mentioned him before. He's uh it's one of the bits where they're doing like the Confederate States version of like what would a cops TV show be? And they're like rounding up a bunch of people like in the back of a truck but the guy that went to our church his whole like claim to fame in this movie is he gets kicked in the head with like a combat boot while they're trying to put people on a truck so he's like one of the white people that gets it
0: nice greg do you feel like you have something keeping you sane this uh, week?
5: keep me sane uh well like uh i i guess it would be uh just watching uh re-watching old shows sometimes are are keep me sane so yeah like uh going back to the old show directory uh and throwing on some classic television i know it sounds sounds uh a little a little cheesy but sometimes those those classic tv shows they just bring it back so um sometimes they'll be like oh hey i need to Rewatch watch an episode of The Golden Girls. Or Golden these, Girls? Yeah, you know? Oh, yeah. They're just goofy and fun, but uh, Alf sometimes definitely does support me,
0: too.
3: So. Alf. <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of germane to the topic, too, Alf.
3: Yeah.
2: Look, Bart, it's
3: Alf in pog form. Well, my <laughs> first uh,
2: true story, I, I bribed my first truly serious girlfriend to, to make out with me with Alf Comics.
3: <laughs> Did she look like Alf?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I look like a cat.
3: No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. If if she looks like a cat and you bribed her with Alf comics was it one of those like make out with me or I'll show you these Alf comics?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was It was sweeter. Like on our first date, like I was like, here, you like Alf here's some old Alf comics that I have lying around. And then at the end of the date we made out. Nice. (laughs) It wasn't like transactional.
3: That should have been, that'll be my meet cute genre swap next time. (laughs) (laughs) Presentation of Alf comics. Oh my gosh.
0: Uh, Well, uh, nobody sent us any viewer mail this week. As far as I know, uh, Cody got confronted in the store about the, about the show earlier this week. Uh, I I don't know if that was a fan or if that was something else.
3: Well, I, so much happens at this job.
2: (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) I think we should let our, our Greg, Greg, Greg,
0: did you want to plug anything before you you have to go here?
5: Sorry, I put myself on mute. Uh, (laughs) no, uh, uh, currently, right now, I I, uh, I was doing for uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, Heroes need masks. It's a Kickstarter. Uh, we are trying to get raise money for uh, getting PPE for frontline services workers. So anybody that's like in the medical field and stuff like that, we're trying to raise money to get them uh, the needed necessary things. I think it's kind of I would say it's kind of topical, but <laughs> uh, as as we're we're gonna probably it most likely probably see an uptick uh in in stuff as we're seeing in the news and stuff like that so getting raising money for for that it's a comics anthology that we put together running it on kickstarter we're very low goal and hoping that people will will donate more than what we're asking for Uh, but uh you can find that at heroes need mask on kickstarter and uh it's a it's comics anthology that has uh i want to say a host of various comic book creators an artist uh, from around the world putting their uh, their comics and whatnot in on this uh, that are very timely but also you know um, uh, somewhat they they have an uplifting message in each one of their bits and uh, and and do a nice a nice fun fun read for uh, a nice digital presentation so you don't have to worry about getting something in the mail. Yeah. But that's that's really about that's that's all I'm pitching right now. Oh, I guess there's a junior bracing that I work on, that that, comic <laughs> that, that 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 series, and we have a we have we we have a uh, role playing game coming out this summer.
4: Ooh, but,
2: uh, what system? I, I,
5: I was excited about, but we can't actually go anywhere to play it, so.
2: Uh, <laughs> Is it
4: on a
5: system
2: like Fade or anything? Uh,
5: or? No, it'll be. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's it's a. Uh, they basically put Kids on Bikes uh, took oh, us nice. uh, to, took the book and rolled it in and uh, made it uh, basically just reskinned it. So that's, that's that's
3: what it is. That's awesome. Kids on Bikes and Teens in Space are two like really great starter like RPGs for people.
4: Yeah, awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah. Awesome stuff from Greg. Uh, check out Junior Braves of the Apocalypse. Check out. Heroes need masks, and his podcasts. And thanks for stopping by, man. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome Appreciate anytime, it. Greg. Thank you.
3: <laughs> the smattering of Zoom applause.
0: <laughs> we could do the little reaction emoji here. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> for this podcast, the auditory right. medium. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, yeah. Thank Greg for coming out. You know, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, I'll, I'll catch up with him later. Um, so yeah, there was uh, no viewer mail this week. So uh, I guess I will say that podcast uh, stays up all night is a proud presentation of that podcast productions. You can find all our blogs uh, podcasts and assorted nonsense at that productions.fireside.fm. You can also find us on Facebook as that podcast stays up all night slumber party on instagram at uh that.podcast.productions hey there might be some movement there soon but i'm not promising anything uh you can find us on twitter at that productions if podcatchers are your thing you can find us at that podcast productions on stitcher spotify google podcast itunes oh my gosh or you can just find us at the rss feed at our website what's going on with our art, cody
3: uh art is courtesy of our friend abby who you can find on instagram at rosari art that's r-o-z-a-r-i-a-r-t and yeah she did our logo it looks great you can check out that instagram and see some of her other work as well as commission her if you have something that you want to draw or draw on. i um.
0: our theme music is done by uh by my my brother-in-law ted potter who is great uh and if you want any information on how to contact him perhaps theme music or other sorts of musical sort of things, uh, just go ahead and send us an email at that.podcast.productions at gmail.com. You can also uh, send us any other comments you have about the show there. Uh, Josh, what's going uh, going on with this sister show of ours?
2: For decades, women, girls, and comics, entirely separate things. But now, <laughs> thanks to the thanks to our sister podcast, Girls Talk Comics, they're coming together. Uh, you can join the revolution at Girls Talk uh, Please note that they have no affiliation with uh, Mix Artist Girl Talk. <laughs> Next time on that podcast, stays up all night. Uh, we go back to our summer beach fun with bikini beach race. Yeah, rocking. Uh, of all the movies up all night did with the word bikini in the title, this sure is one of them. <laughs> uh, also, it stars Dana Plato, so I'm sure there will be nothing depressing in our <laughs> Where Would Happen to Them conversation. Tune in.
0: Uh, well, that does it for this week. Thanks for that great lead-in, Josh. Uh, that does it this week. Until next time, keep your bounty hunters paid and your aliens well-fed.